Greetings, readers. This is the Recap Book Chat. We are thrilled that you're with us because reading illuminates your life like a star. As J.R.R. Tolkien said, little by little, one travels far. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. We are so glad that you have joined us, friend, and we are excited to complete the second part of Dr. Zhivago today. Um, we did a part one podcast earlier, and um, so now we're going to um, conclude with the part two of Dr. Zhivago, a classic published in 1957 by Boris Pasternak. And to that, I must add a quote from Mark Twain, classic. A book which people praise and don't read. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yes. funny. I and the to... funny, I can see why people don't read classics sometimes because uh, this might be the most difficult book I've read. Would you say that? Yes, I would. Okay. I, I, I made myself say, I will finish this book in February. I made myself say that because you have to push yourself through this. But... Aren't you glad you did? <laughs> yes, I'm glad. It was, you, you got this for me year, how many, a, a year ago or so, and it sat on the shelf, but we put it and out and uh, how ironic during this uh, so much turmoil going on in Russia that we're reading a book uh, where turmoil, turmoil is going on in Russia. I know. And, and to that, I would say, I'm going to jump to the, even our, our usually end question. How I felt when this ended um, was I, was I felt gratitude and sadness, and I felt so grateful that to be living in America and to live the lifestyle that we get to live. And then I felt so sad for the Russian people that had to go through the wars and revolutions and all that in the book. And then the people in Ukraine that are still going through that. So I'm like, this is... It, it, so it was it was mixed I was it definitely was eye-opening for me it gave me a perspective of wow we have it so good there's a lot of people who still don't have it good and you know you you kind of we live in a bubble and we think well this is modern civilization you know well we you, you are in the throes of the war he talks about all they eat is potatoes there's rats everywhere they hide the potatoes in pots with lids to protect them from the rats. I mean, I, I, I think that we, we are spoiled and we kind of have this privilege, you know, because uh, we, and we're removed. We're just yes. far removed from it. And so what reading does to me, and, and I try to, I want to read to my class and, and my grandkids and everyone, reading helps you to be empathetic For because sure. it puts you there. For sure. So you're going to remember to pray for the people in Ukraine because you feel like you you know more because you read. So mm -hmm. like you always say, when you know more, you, when you know better, you do better. And I think reading helps you you know we know better. We we it, we can't treat this frivolously. And the thing is, so we're getting a firsthand account of what it's like and I think that makes it even more powerful you know this wasn't made up he's he is he has lived through this time period and 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 his way of protest was writing Dr. Javago 
you know, which yes. was very brave, extremely brave. There's a lot of authors and poets that of that were his friends that were killed for writing um, against uh, the ideals of communism in the class of society. On page 353 in the copy that we have, it says, um, and I think this is true of anything, it says they're talking about the war and it says as long as they need him, they'll tolerate him because we have the whites, the reds. And then I had missed this and I was going back over it. And then I caught this really good paragraph. It's powerful. Uh, that's just the point, Laura, that there are limits to everything, which that's powerful. And then it says there's been time enough for them to arrive at something. But it turns out that for inspirers of the revolution, the turmoil of change and rearrangement is their only native element. Ooh. That they won't settle for less than something on a global scale. Well, that's so poignant today. For sure. And then it goes on. The building of worlds, transitional periods for them is an end in itself. They haven't studied anything else. They don't know how to do anything. And do you know where this bustle of internal preparation comes from? From the lack of definite ready abilities from, and here's a word, giftlessness. Mm. Man is born to live, not to prepare for life. Mm. Oh, is that powerful? That is powerful. And I think that, I think Pasternak, some of that overarching theme is, is from the book is freedom, independence, and that return to Christianity. And that's throughout his book. And that's kind of what, what I hear you saying through that quote too, um, that to really have freedom and independence, we need to return to Christianity. So, yes. And, and and you do have to study. And he said they studied nothing. All they want is turmoil. mm -hmm. That's all they know. They really aren't, they don't have any talents or skills or anything, but they just want this upheavalment, the revolution. And you can get along. I mean, uh, in on a couple of page, twenty pages on past that, it says that um, people, you know, they were leaving the country. They country, meaning the farmers and everything. Everybody was wanting to go to the city and all that. And it said people got seduced by education. And then he used a metaphor: they left their own shore and never reached the other. Ooh. Whoa. I mean, it's amazing. And then in the midst of all this, he tells a story of where he actually, Yuri, the doctor, shot someone. And um, there's two stories, and they happen right at the same time. Uh, one, one dead man has an amulet around his neck, and it had a little piece of paper sticking out. And then that piece of paper on that was written Psalm 91. And then the one that Yuri had shot, which he's like, you know, sh- He's like, why did I shoot him? Blah, blah, blah. You know, in he had a medallion and sticking out of the medallion was Psalm 91. Mm. Yeah. I was just like, whoa, that is heavy. So what do you think he was trying to say by that? Well, I think he's trying to tell us we're all the same Mm because these were opposing sides, but they were both carrying Psalm 91. Mm. So God is, you know, it's like, basically you need to pick God's side. Then we wouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves, you know, which there's a quote. um, Where was that? There was one quote that, did you catch that one? Um, 
me see if I marked it. With he, where he's talking about that, where he's talking about uh, violence and. But it is, it's the reason you think, you know, you said it was a tough read was because he's got, he's got big messages, you know, for the revolution. And then he's got little messages, you know what I'm saying? And they, yes. and they kind of weave together, but somewhere in there, I love this quote, children are not ashamed of the truth. Mm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's a, that, that is a good quote. And they're not. And then on the other side, he said, man is a wolf to man. Woo. Mm. I mean, they had a lot of heavy quotes in there. And there's one that says, I don't like people who are indifferent to the truth. So did you see that one? No, I didn't. I didn't get that. I tried to cut myself I missed missed the kid one, though. I missed the kids are... That's on page one. one. Uh, 513, uh, you know, the kid stuff I love. But how true is that? And and when you meet... So here's Dr. Shivago. He's married. He has a kid. Uh, insults the kid yet again. You know, you said. Yes. He must be a homely child. <laughs> they insulted him again. But now he, he, Tanya has another child that he's never seen. And then he and um, Laura, they have a child that he, he never sees. <laughs> And he wasn't he, or aware of. He was never even aware of that one. Yeah. And then he, uh, I, I'm just, the man has had kind of a rough life, like you said. I think that is another theme or something he hits on. And I think Pasternak had a mistress too. And so that's probably why that's, again, but it's almost, you know, the quote, all is fair in love and war. And I think wartime, um, it makes you in some ways do things that you would never do. And so you, you get to see the pre-war Yuri, who's a family man, extremely devoted, all that probably would oh, never yeah. have an affair. Um, but then war is, it, it, it breaks down that normalcy that you, you know what I'm saying? I think it's, I think it makes yes, things right. different. And that's what I think that quote, all is fair in love and war. I don't know where that came from, but I feel like Pasternak was like, um it's almost living like you living that and well in on page of uh, 515 it said our bivouac life really is false and overwrought and he's talking to laura mm-hmm. so he, he their little life that they had together during this time he, he knew that it was false and it wore him down actually yeah. but it, it says you know and he does get this heart condition and pain and he has to deal with all that, but part of that is just a guilty conscience. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does. I think he loves her, and he also loves what she's been through. She had a hard life. So, in the background, was Pastor Nat trying to say, uh, "You have a a little war in your life because she's got that law that lawyer that was so evil, and then that's the her her life, and then we've got the big scale how." you know, like Satan versus God, that that's going on too, you know, Mm -hmm. that's good. uh, We all have little wars going on. Yeah. He mentions a woman on 432 and it said her secret fears had aged her terribly. Mm. So, you know, and he's, he doesn't want people to be fearful, Mm -hmm. but yet, you know, you, you do, you have this fear, um, going back on, you mentioned Victor, the lawyer guy, 
I kind of I think that his the I think what he is symbolic of is kind of that um those the communism the communistic leaders because if you think about it he kind of got to take what he wanted and didn't really face any anything consequences any consequences and yes. and so he got what he wanted he took whatever he wanted from people and he was above he was not he he wasn't suffering he wasn't poor mm-hmm. um but I mean, he took from Laura at a young age, took whatever he wanted from her, you know, her innocence and all of that. And, but then he kept, he pretty much got whatever he wanted and then really no retribution for that. And I think that was kind of Pastor Nick's look on like, well, you know, we can trying to fight this, oh, but at yeah. the end of the day, they. That just makes me connect to on 368, Pastor Nick referred to Russia as a young girl, which could have been Laura. And it yes. says, uh, he compares Russia to a young girl. She had real suitors, real protectors, not like nowadays. Mm. So, yeah, that could all fit together. Yeah. That makes Good sense. Point. Good point. When I found my quote that I was wanting to, that, to tie back with what you were saying earlier, um, is that I, uh, it's on page 311. I used to be in a very revolutionary mood, but now I think that we'll gain nothing by violence. People must be drawn to the good by the good. Ooh, so, yeah. And I was like, that's totally opposite of what's going on with all the revolutions. They just, they're trying to force their ideals and values on someone. Um, and I thought you would like this. Did you catch this one? This totally made me think of you. Um, but experience shows what's meant by thoughts is only their appearance. A verbal garnish for the glorification of the revolution and the powers that be. It's tiresome and sickening. But I thought you would like that, a verbal garnish. <laughs> oh, no, and I didn't even catch it. See? So. See, that's why you talk to someone about a book, because you you miss something resonates with you uh, more, and then you catch it. See? So it's cool. And you also said earlier you were talking about almost the being, like, all into something, you know, almost that that mentality. And he said, I don't like works devoted entirely to philosophy. I think philosophy should be used sparingly as a season for art and life. To be occupied with it alone is the same as eating horseradish by itself. Oh, 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 oh. I've done that, actually. I've taken a spoonful of that. That's so powerful. It's brutal. But I was like, you know, I think that's that's still poignant today that to just be, have that that better perspective. I think sometimes we focus... Even in like politics, if we're far left or far right or whatever, that can be, I th- that's not good either to be fully, you know, like that's like eating horseradish instead of having a better perspective and, mm-hmm. and seeing many different things, many different viewpoints. So, but yeah, I liked his take on that. And I think that's what, what he saw as a big problem too, is when you, when you focus on one thought like that, then you're going to have the red, the reds and the whites and the partisans and they can't, they're focused on one thing, you know, and it's just having it their way. And then mm-hmm. what that ends in is destruction. You just destroy each other. And I, and I think that, you know, maybe the reason that Yuri met with uh, her, Laura's husband, and that, that was a weird little meeting and that he was brave enough to tell tell this guy who is a bad guy actually he he started out good but um laura's husband 
what was your what was your thoughts on that what did you think of the meeting what did you think of how that went down like just well, I was I, I, curious I, I have a paragraph here uh Yuri is telling um uh, I, Pasha? What, call, what Pasha yeah because he has another name but she he's telling Laura's husband she said forgive me you know he's saying did she mention me and then Yuri has the confidence to say very willingly she called you an exemplary man whose equal she had never seen of a uniquely high authenticity and said that if the vision of the home she once shared with you glimmered again on the far horizon she would crawl to its doorstep on her knees from anywhere at all even the ends of the earth i was like whoa Mm -hmm. i mean because he's telling that to someone else and you would so, think that would make, if you were the person receiving that information, you'd think that would make you happy. Yes, but I think he had seen too much. Uh, the war, war ravages people. I think Pasha was a sensitive person because he's the one that was reading and he was an educator and, and his students loved him. That's somewhere else. Uh, it kind of hints somebody had him in the class and they said, we had him for an ex- instructor. He was, and he was doing all that for her. Yes. And because he it, felt it just, unworthy? Is that why? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, he, they both say, you know, when she comes into a room, she light, lights it up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, I thought, I mean, here's two men that both love the same woman. And um, it says, um, well, I, what did I say? You're. But it's wet. One part it says, "Your stars to the feet of this reckless, luckless, unmurmuring, beloved woman." That was one. I said, "That those aren't really good adjectives." I have some good adjectives somewhere, but I'm saying she didn't have any, like as people would say, luck. You know, she. And it wasn't interesting that Yuri, uh, he was never jealous of her husband, and but he was jealous of Victor because he felt. I think I thought that was interesting because knew that her husband loved her, so he wasn't jealous of her. Of, but he was, he was very upset with Victor, like he couldn't stand Victor. So yeah. I, that was an interesting because usually you would think that you're blinded by love to someone who's, you know, also in love with the person you love type thing. So, but that wasn't his case. He and there's, uh, you know, there's something to be said for her feelings toward him too because she loved Pasha and she didn't Victor which mm-hmm. uh, Kamenovsky or whatever the lawyer's name but I thought this was a funny part to me so he's really Yuri is a doctor he's been a doctor he's very smart and someone showed him how to harness a horse and he can't remember it they just showed him how and he's struggling with remembering he kept forgetting his instructions I'm saying and he's a doctor I'm just like what, what? did you catch that yeah. I was like, how, how are we forgetting to, of course, you know what? That was back before you could YouTube stuff. How many, <laughs> I mean, we're YouTubing everything. How to change window blinds. Oh, I'll YouTube it, you know. But, now. but it's, it's almost, I think I can relate to that because sometimes if, if you're doing something you like doing, it's almost like you're able to get it and retain that better than something that you don't like doing. So it's, it's oh, if there's okay. something you don't like doing, it's kind of hard to learn something that you don't like, you know, it's true. It's more difficult. Good point. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, and it talks about how he was living, Yuri was living an incongru- incongruous life and it was causing him to slowly lose his mind. Mm-hmm. So that could have been setting in. Mm-hmm. But he was lose, using, you know, his, it was incongruous. He wasn't genuine. And in the, and all through the book, he's been genuine. He's a very, you know, he, he, he's a very sensitive person. And because he is, he can't live this life. He's actually living two different lives and it's, it's taken a toll on him. Yes. Whereas Kamenovsky or Victor, as you call him, I didn't want to get on a first name basis with him. Uh, he, <laughs> it, I didn't, I was just like, who's Victor? Oh yeah. It's that, the worm. But, you know, he's okay. He's not having mm-hmm. any problems. No. So who is your favorite character? Mm. Well, you know, I don't know. It might be the ugly kid that nobody seems to watch. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm torn. You know, I don't agree with what Laura did, but she would probably be my favorite character because I feel, I feel so bad for her. Yuri, too, has struggled be hard to pick up between them it's just like you said once that his life started out he lost his mom yeah and so he had a pain and then she lost her innocence yeah so they both are are, they're both kind of thrown together from the loss that they've had as and it was interesting that the same man because the his uh you know victor was the one that influenced his father to commit suicide and and then Victor was the one that, you know, ruined Larissa's young life. And so, or not Larissa, Laura. Um, so it's interesting that the same man was, you know, and again, I think that goes back to him kind of being symbolic of the the Russian leaders, uh, the communistic leaders of that time, you know. Definitely. I guess my favorite character, the character that had it all together was his brother. He's the he's, guy. He's he my favorite. Up. Yeah. And you know what? I think that is Pastor. I think his name was like Yavigraf. And I looked up how to pronounce it. Now I can't remember. I, uh, it was Yavi. I want to say Yava. Yavigraf or something like that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so um Yuri's brother he shows up and saves them multiple times and I think that is Pasternak's belief in divine intervention and I think that is him and I think there's another character he starts with an s he's the one that loaned him horses I think he he gives him some food and does stuff too like that but you know almost I feel I feel like right when things were going really bad or they you know then he saves them multiple times and I think that's was kind of his way of getting in, you know, that message. And, so. and you can also see a different time period here when Yuri tells Laura that you have to do, you have to think of the child. Now he has children that he's not thinking of, but, and it says here, uh, Laura says, my motherly duty towards Katinka is to assure her safety in case of possible troubles with us. I have to think soberly about her. I'm not particularly strong in that. It makes me sad to realize it. I'm sad from fatigue and lack of sleep. Your conversation calms me down. I mean, she knows she's not a great mother. Yeah. That's not her focus. And I'm thinking, yeah, 
and over on the next page it says i'd say that a human being is made up of two parts of god and work and they need to be side by side and then they go on and they were talking about how the hymns talk about they juxt juxtaposing images so it means place the old testament by the new testament and how they match up and they're uh, and i thought that was kind of cool yeah because you really won't appreciate the new unless you know the old. Mm-hmm. That's true. And a lot of times in the old, is uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing in the old. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on in the new? And they even talk about how when Mary gave birth, it wasn't, she was a maiden and, and, you know, she wasn't married, but she gave birth not by force of necessity, but by miracle, by inspiration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I, I, I'm thinking, I, who knows the layers that he had in this? Because he even goes through his, uh, he goes through Yuri's writing methods and he marks out all the words that aren't needed and how many edits this had before it even went to an editor. For by sure. Pasternak, you know, yeah. I feel like he, he's a very talented writer, though. You know, and I don't think we gave him the credit initially because no. it was different than anything we'd ever read. And it definitely seemed, it wasn't, didn't have the flow of Tolstoy, which was from a different time period too. But, but like you, you pointed out when she thought that was on purpose. It's because yeah. as you read on, I think he's wanting you to feel what he's feeling. And, and that's, yeah. and you do, you get, you're like, oh man, this this is so chaotic and confusing and you know and and what 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 side am I on again you know you're like who's who's fighting who again and so and like and, and right when you think okay and you kind of forget about Tanya and that she he, he gets a letter from her and he and she says the whole truth is that I love you and you do not love me I try to find meaning of this condemnation to interpret it to justify it I rummage I delve into myself Going through our whole life and everything I know about myself, I cannot see the beginning and I cannot recall what I did and how I brought this m- misfortune upon myself. You look at me somehow wrongly with unkind eyes. You see me twisted as in a distorting mirror. And yet I love you. Ah, oh, how I love you. If only you could imagine I love every peculiarity in you. And so, and then she tells how that's advantageous and disadvantageous because of that. She loves him, even despite of everything. But I, I feel like she's wrong that he doesn't love her because he he, does love her. Yeah. There was another one. I think that was in part one. He adored her, Mm -hmm. but he's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Yes. I feel like, and and you kind of see that when he is having an affair with Laura and she's, in moscow uh he feels he feels it more deeply than when he knows like or or when he's when he thinks she's closer it's he feels more remorse when he thinks she's farther away there's not as much remorse and this is the funny part well it's not funny to if you're the son the son of yuri and tanya but tanya says that shura has grown he's not so handsome I mean, it's like, okay, we, we got that when he was a baby, but, you know, we can't let it go. Pasternak had to hit it again. He's not so, he's not so handsome. 
Uh, that's funny. But then, then he's just kind of stunned by the letter, you know, and then he collapses. So he's a very sensitive person. I mean, you know. And that's like heart condition. Said, war, yeah. war is, he's in the middle of a war. So, you know, it's really, really, um, I think that's why this might be a classic because it's showing you how uh, here, here's a kind hearted doctor who, like you said, in part one, which is probably why he divided it into parts. You would never expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't happen in part one, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, yeah, he used the word to. I love this word for Kamenovsky for the lawyer to describe him buffoonish. <laughs> buffoonish. So I like buffoonish. And another word what, that I had was uh, taiga or taiga t t i a g a, which is south of the tundra coniferous forest covers it so in uh, third grade we talk about ecosystems and all that we always talk about uh tundra but never had i seen taiga so just south of the tundra is the taiga hmm. and i learned that from yeah. so, of course he probably lived there you know so what was it what did you feel like when you finished the book well i felt uh I felt like, you know, I say that all the time in third grade, we can do hard things. And I said, I just did something that's hard. I did a hard thing. And then I thought. So you felt accomplished. Yeah, I felt accomplished. But I thought, really, I didn't do a hard thing. Living through this would have been a hard thing, actually. But I feel like I got a a sense of uh, empathy that I wouldn't have had. Uh, And I think I told you, I felt it it, ironic that it happened right when all this upheaval is taking place. So I was thankful that we read the book. Thank you for buying it. And uh, thank you for the gift. (laughs) I never thought I would I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry I was like a two-year-old kicking and screaming, but uh, you know. It, it, uh, it is weird because it is, it is a very challenging read. It's very, but there is a lot in there and it's, it, it definitely makes you think. It's very introspective. There's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of hidden things too. There's a lot of symbolism. So, I mean, it's, it is a, what is it? A 10 course meal. It is very dense. There's so much involved in it. So, I mean, well, I we mean, didn't even. At one point, at one point, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm near the end and it says that he, this one girl, she's going to marry him and she accepts all of his, you know, flaws because he's, she said he's gone to seed, you know, and so I thought, well, how old is he? Because, you know, he doesn't really keep you up on that. And then a couple of pages later, you find out that he's 40. I said, he's 40 and he's gone to seed. <laughs> so it was asking, you know, because I, I love the uh, the journal that you got me, the book journal. I've been keeping. So it's really cool. And that's uh, it. It asks those questions, you know, your favorite quotes, characters. It asks when I finished the book, I felt I love that. And it asks it, it asks you to write the themes and message and plot, and um, and and then it asked my interest in it. And so that was the reason. The thing that got me interested in it was that it was translated by our favorite Russian translators, that Richard Peaver and Larissa, and um, and that it was a Russian novel. So that's what initially brought me to it. But I'm and then I was kind of regretful because I was like, oh no, this this is extremely difficult and this is not what I was thinking it would be. I was really thinking it was going to be another Tolstoy read or Dostoevsky, which was fun, but it's totally different. 
But I really respect Boris Pasternak. I think that was, uh, and I would say if you do get this book, the and if you do want to read it, if you are up for a challenge, um, definitely read the foreword or the um, the big, isn't that what that's called? The yeah, say it's a challenging read, but sometimes you want a challenging read. I this you know what I think we should every year make sure that we have something on our book list that. W- will be a challenging read. I guess sometimes you don't know, yeah. but um, yeah, that I think that's uncomfortable that make, because then that means you're growing. And so this is definitely a growth book for us, I think. Oh, definitely. Whoa. And yeah, let's, I really let's think, prove, let's prove Mark Twain wrong. Classic, a book that sometimes people do read. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think, I think it's so valuable after reading this. Um, and I'm not against modern literature. I like reading modern literature. But I think it really is important to go back and read some stuff of the past because, I mean, that way we don't make the same mistakes and that way we can learn. You know, sometimes we'll just keep doing the same thing if we as a society don't, haven't been exposed to that, you know. Yes. And I, I, I know this is extremely difficult, but I would even, I, I would even be for this being a, 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 a high school read. You know, did you? Well, I I researched that when I first started, and it is taught in Russia. It is like eleventh grade or something like that. They read this, and I said, "How many kids in junior, a uh, juniors in high school, could read this uh, and understand it?" We'd be getting cliff notes, or they're they're called spark notes. They'd be going off the shelves. It like, is fast. taught in Russia. Yeah, that surprises me. That really surprises me. Um, I don't well, know if we it, mentioned it in the other podcast, but you know, it was, I think we, we did, but it was, it wasn't even allowed to be published. It, it was published in 1957 in Italy. And, um, mm-hmm. that was the first publishing and it wasn't even allowed to be published in Russia until the eighties, late eighties. And it, and one of the things, um, do you remember the CIA? I think you might've told me about that kind of the, the soft power that they used with Pastor Nick's book, they had it published and distributed at some type of fair in Russia to yes. the, the Russian people mm-hmm. under, yeah, kind of, kind of hush, hush. They're distributing this novel. I'm like, that's, I just find that extremely interesting. It's because it was fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. So, yeah. You know. But, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of times we know that the fiction is rooted in truth. Yes. Oh, and that was one thing I did find out too, because I thought, um, you know, Pasternak was a very famous poet of his time. But when I like dug a little deeper, he wasn't really getting his poems published because they weren't meeting the standards of the socialistic realism, uh, which, which says that all the art has to promote and glorify the ideals of communism and this classic mm-hmm. classless society. And so, so his majority of his income was from translating other people's works. So I thought that was interesting that even though the commu- the society saw him as this great poet, he, he wasn't monetarily seeing any benefit, you know? So yeah. I, I thought that I, well, was interesting. Think- and a lot of times, you know, even that goes with artists and that are famous now, but they were really living in poverty, you yeah. know. And it's funny because he has Yuri living in poverty. Here's a doctor and he's living in poverty, too, at the end. Yeah. yeah. And that was Boris. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of mirrored his own life. I do have a quote that if you read a book like Dr. Zhivago, I think, and you do stick with it to the end, uh, a quote from Louis L'Amour says, once you have read a book you care about, some part of it is always with you. That's good. And I think that that will help us say that's a wrap on Dr. Zhivago. That is. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us, friend, and we'll see you on the next one.